0: Seventy-three to I think sometime in the mid eighteen eighties, because there was this long deflationary period. It was the first Great Depression that economists refer to, but nonetheless, there's this huge productivity increase and specifically a huge increase in real wages. To say that the economy isn't doing well at this point would be, uh, I mean, there don't, no no historian would agree with that. Uh, it's impossible to say. Um, so it's it's it kind of it. it the implications of the theory make sense. You demonetize silver, you take a certain amount of money out of circulation, you usher in a deflationary period, and the economy suffers, but, th- but this isn't true. This is just isn't what's happening in late 19th century US. I can't talk about Europe, though, specifically.
1: Well, of course, I did not say that there was a constant deflation. Uh-huh. I said that, or, or I, I should have said that there was, this interplay between inflationary and deflationary periods, but there was an overtone. And to my mind, and I'm willing to be in the minority of one, if everybody else swears the opposite, I will still maintain that after the demonetization of silver, the overtone was deflationary. And I don't care if the whole world swears that it was inflationary, because, because these repeating deflationary episodes were doing a lot of damage, a lot, and greater damage than whatever inflationary periods did. And as a whole, you won't understand the whole history between 1871 and 1971, it's about or almost exactly a hundred year period. But if you want to understand what has happened, I think the overtone is, in, is deflation. And I'm, I'm, I am...
0: The, hmm? I would not disagree with that. Oh, you don't. Don't.
1: Well, then we are in complete yeah. agreement.
0: But the problem is that it Keep doesn't it. usher in a time of economic sort of dirt. Like this is a pro- uh, this is a time of an intense and an, an industrial. This, this yeah, yeah, but you, you can't look at
2: it to. in isolation from all of the industrial sort of stuff and sort of. Uh, so th- this, you know. is, this is
3: what I wanted to add to. This is that issue of scalar versus vector once again. I'm not. I don't think the professor is saying. That if you look at the economy as a single scalar, whether it be GDP or something else, that the economy, the scalar, lost in absolute value. Yeah. I think what he's saying is that the economy is composed of, at that time, what, 80 million people in the United States? 10 million of them were hurt badly by the demonetization of silver, even if others were doing well because of the improvement in technology of, of steam power and then later the internal combustion engine, electricity, the telegraph, the light, uh, gas, gaslight power and so forth, you have, you have damage being done over here. Other people are prospering, but so imagine how much more prosperous it would have been if you hadn't hurt these people.
1: And also the financing of all this development in terms of irredeemable currency, which is also part of the picture. In other words, they were trying to replace silver with paper. But <coughs> as we all know, and we don't have to keep reminding ourselves how uh, dangerous a course it is to move, uh, uh, to move monetary metals out of circulation and put paper, irredeemable paper, back This is damaging, this is dangerous, and it will, in time, strike back. So this is also part of what I'm saying. All this tremendous development, Alex also talked about that, industrial, and and transportation, transcontinental railways, transoceanic shipping, and all the rest of it. But the financing was not 100% solid. There was the worm eating slowly but surely.
3: What's fascinating to me, I I knew that William Jennings Bryan was opposed to the monometallic standard. I didn't know until you pointed out the picture in Bernanke's presentation that William Jennings Bryan was there whispering in Woodrow Wilson's ear, Yeah. To yeah. create the Fed, I didn't realize that connection that that character was still running around. I, I
1: wish we had a better resolution of that picture. It's this painting which uh, Bernanke reproduced in his uh, lecture series at George Washington University. Perhaps uh, the computer can get. Will you please experiment with it? Not now, but uh, for for a future lecture. And we'll try to see that actually uh, William Jennings Bryan is standing next on the side of the seated uh, president Woodrow Wilson, who is in the process of signing the act, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. And uh, William Jennings Bryan stands by and looks at it with a queer smile Mm -hmm. on his face. Uh, he would say that well sure I lost three presidential elections but ultimately I am the winner because we got the inflation what I've been fighting for
4: I just want to add, I think the professor already covered it in a way that you pull out silver here and you pump in credit there, you pump in a little more credit you can have your yield at age, but how long is it going to last and it's very similar to what happened when gold was pulled out uh, the Great Depression, and the credit was pushed in its place. Mm. Same scenario. I'd like to make two comments
5: and pose one question. First comment to this picture you just referred to, Professor. Uh, we looked it up on in the internet and couldn't find uh, a picture saying who is who uh, on this picture. But I believe not uh, uh, Jennings was not the person next to the president, but the second next. And this is the first. Okay. So the next, the, the, the smiling person, that's not him. Okay. okay.
0: Somebody, to check it. <laughs> so, well, the, well, the person that we established, we thought, we think, we think it was Senator Aldrich, yeah. the guy who actually passed the, yeah. the, passed the thing <laughs> through. the person. But no, no, that's, that's, um, my
5: second comment, <laughs> I'd like to enforce what, what he said uh, stating that the uh, demonetizing of silver hurt uh, the economy doesn't say, doesn't mean necessarily that the Economy was bad, it just states it is worse than it would have been if it hadn't been uh, um, demonetized. Uh, and so it's a relative thing. And I think this applies for today as well. Again, we have a, a phase of globalization as we had back then, uh, and China came into play in the 90s. And so um, today we would, have, we would be much, much worse off if, if not China and India had come into play. Uh, uh, due to our monetary system, so um, I think you have to, to see now. But my question is: uh, Professor, you talked about this, or you had this um, suspicion uh, that there, or you spe- suspected that there was a conspiracy. Who were then the conspirators, the owners of gold, or the government? I mean, who's who? who um, yeah, who was the who these conspirators?
1: Well, we don't know, but. The suspicion is that it was the banking. There was an international banking cartel at that time already, although it was not as clear as it is today. But there were uh, bankers, international bankers, in Germany, and there were international bankers in the United States. And obvious, uh, well, not obviously, but presumably, there there was an understanding between these. Two groups, and they had so much influence locally under on, on their own government, the German government in uh, Germany, and the U.S. government in the United States. <coughs> and I, th- I think, they co- were in complete agreement that silver was their enemy number one. Gold was not even considered an enemy. They could very well live with the gold standard because it would be much easier for them to concentrate gold reserves under their own control than it would have been to concentrate silver reserves.
5: But what's the motive? What? The motive, the motivation Why? Well, they
1: They wanted wanted world power, as simple as that.
5: May may I give a suggestion? I think the overall plot or master plan, so to say, is to um, replace, step by step, uh, commodity money, uh, real money, by, well, paper paper money, which you could collect interest on. So uh, getting a pure gold standard just was the, the second last step uh, to, uh, to, uh, to to switch off another uh, well, the, the commodity money uh, the, the, to have the baseline. I mean, the next step was uh, the, at the eve of the First World War uh, uh, to uh, to expand the credit, um, but they couldn't have done this if there was still would have been silver in place.
2: Well,
1: these are details, and we can
2: only guess we want that actually... Mm. We have a couple of more questions, so...
4: Just one word on this. The GDP can be doing fine, thank you, but there's a wealth transfer. Those middle-class families who had held their wealth in the form of silver are impoverished, and someone who's printing mm. the paper money gets wealthier. Mm. Wealth transfer. I mean, that's, that's yeah. clearly that... And what you're saying also, it's a progression to transfer from monetary
2: metal
5: to paper, Exactly. That's the same thing. It's yeah. also wealth transfer at the same
4: time, and the power
5: transfer. And it's a necessary step, so that you can't uh, free, so to say, from it. Even if only gold is, is legal tender, uh, uh, and not silver any longer, uh, you can't uh, <laughs> okay. uh, we... yeah. uh,
4: Professor, you said something like the uh, uh, demonetization of silver was a major reason that uh, you find economies in deflation. And that is actually, if you look at Western world today, in spite of printing money, there's more of deflationary episodes rather than inflationary episodes. Right? So,
1: Question? Well, we'll
2: get to it. Hold Then the (laughs) question arises
4: is, why is it the second most important, second most powerful man in the world, thinks that under the paper money system, you can always avoid
6: deflation?
2: Who said that?
4: It's a statement, actually. I don't. That's that's because
6: Milton Friedman said that. Milton Friedman said that during the Great Depression, which was a huge deflationary collapse, that the money supply contracted. I mean, the guy could look at a chart. So he knows. Well, obviously, the palliative is to expand the money supply, which is easier said than done, because it's like trying to outrun a, a tsunami. Because in a great deflationary collapse, you have a destruction of both credit and debt. By defaulting debt. And so it was easier said than done. Bernanke said that. It doesn't mean it's true. Friedman believed it. It doesn't mean it's true.
0: Yeah, the (coughs) (coughs) monetarist hypothesis has already been slammed. But you're asking it. Just one more thing, just a small thing. Demonetization
4: of silver, we've seen that it has led to deflationary collapse over the last 50, 60 years in major economies. You start from any economy. Why
6: is that
2: not led to inflationary collapse? How do you scale the the bifurcation point between an inflationary collapse and a deflationary collapse? Which, what, what makes you side one to the other?
1: Mm. Well, the. Uh, Inflationary collapse is all too obvious for everybody to see. You cannot help just look at the uh, prices of groceries you are buying and immediately see that there's something wrong. When uh, grocery prices uniformly go up a certain percent every day or every week or every month Then you feel it on your own skin, Deflationary collapse is much more insidious You don't see it, you don't feel until it's probably too
2: late. But I, no, no, the question was, how do you know which one you're about to go into? Because... Well, how to predict? Yes.
1: Uh, well, you have to have a great insight. And I, I'm not saying that if I had lived then, I would have foreseen, mm. and I would have been able to predict when they demonetize silver, that now this is it, because from now on, it's going to be the undertone of the general uh, tendency for the next 100 years will be deflation i might have been tempted to say no it's inflation because there's so much paper money is pumped into the system artificially and that you know I have never believed in the quantity theory of money, but I cannot say that I was never under its influence. Mm. I was not a card-carrying believer, but you just couldn't escape the influence Mm. uh, on your thinking. So I have been, my thinking have been infected to some. There's going
3: to be a whole day of inflationary-deflationary spiral on Sunday. The professor is talking in the morning on this topic And I'm talking in the afternoon. (laughs) Because is it it possible that you have a simultaneous
6: deflationary collapse in demand created by an overwhelming supply of debt that can't be serviced by a contracting economy Try to be reversed, as Bernanke is trying to do, by priming the prompt increasing the supply of money, debasing its quality, leading ultimately into a de- complete debasement of money, so prices start exploding, not because of demand, but because money's becoming worthless. Oh, yes. So you have an apparent hyperinflationary destruction of currency, with the deflationary collapse in demand happening at the same time. So what you are suggesting is that there's a kind of uh, confusion
1: or merge of uh, tendencies the mixing up deflation and inflation. I would say this is probably what happens, but only towards the very end, yeah. right? It, in, in earlier periods, there is a distinct, yeah, yeah and it flip-flops, yeah. flip-flops between, between inflation and deflation, and the yield curve uh, would, would uh, wriggle from normal to inward and back, and again, you know, it would be nice to have a, a movie picture of that yield curve uh, as it wriggles. This uh, somebody should make YouTube. such a uh, the dance of the uh, <laughs> wiggle of the yield curve. <laughs> and, and by the way, this is not in answer to your question. but it just occurred to me, so let me say it, and it may not have uh, that much merit to it, but the wiggling of contango and backwardation in the gold and the silver future markets reminds me of that wiggling. So uh, if you want to make a movie picture of the backwardation and contangle because this uh, flat state which is zero basis basically is very unstable and then this wiggling period might last so long. We don't know how long but we are uh, theoretically convinced that ultimately it will go to permanent backwardation. So that's just a side off the cough remark.
2: Any more um, questions before lunch? I think before we close um, I've just got a very quick comment. Um, Germany and America mm-hmm. is all very well uh, at that time in the mid-19th century but the United Kingdom was superior oh, in gold. all measures, you know, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. 1807 um, was, the, was, the, was the point at which the British mint closed its doors to silver, after a long period of having freshly coined silver just flowing out of the country, because they priced the, uh, the, the gold coin incorrectly.
1: That was during Napoleon.
2: No, that was, that, this, was, this was a whole series of episodes prior to 1807. And there was an edict at the Exchequer which basically overpriced gold guineas um, versus sil- the subsidiary silver coinage, which just left Britain on a gold standard accidentally.
1: The uh, silver coinage was in very bad shape.
2: It was in it was very bad over, over shape.
1: It warm, you couldn't see anything, it was exactly. almost shiny. Exactly, fish. and
2: as we know, Newton was brought in yeah. to say so, what's going on here, you know, to figure out the problem. And because the exchequer was, uh, the Treasury um, was, was upset with the fact that they were spending millions of pounds um, in today's money, uh, <laughs> minting these silver coins, only to see them to go go off to the continent. They never entered circulation. They were exported straight from Exactly, Exactly. So you had this period of certainly not instability between 1807 and 1873. Um, And I suppose there might have been an element of Germany and America wanting to just copy the king of the world at that moment, which Mm -hmm. was the uh, United Kingdom but there was no problem per se with what the British were doing when they closed the mint to silver, and were the only country in the world on a strict um, gold standard. So I think that might require further investigation. um,
6: There might be, I'm not sure, I'm just shooting in the dark here, but um, during this time, prior to 1843, to the First Opium War, that the U.K. had with China, the flow of silver from the west to the east was phenomenal Mm. because the Chinese would not accept the West paper money. Mm. And England was the largest buyer of Chinese goods, Mm. silks, teas, and porcelains, all right? And so the, the English had to buy, had to ship huge amounts to China. There was a tremendous flow of silver bullion from the west to the Lasting east. for
1: hundreds of it's years.
6: huge. And, fi- and finally, this didn't stop until the British were able to get opium out of India and force the Chinese to accept it. But that may be one of the, I don't know what factor this played, but it, it may, be, certainly this wasn't, you know, something that the British didn't have to deal, they were just highly concerned yeah. about the flow of silver out out, out to
2: the yeah. east. Then maybe they were left on a gold standard sort of as a consequence, you know, yeah? <laughs> yeah, just sort of made it the coin of the realm.
0: I remember somewhat different version of the story um, that um, the Napoleonic Wars end in 1815, and during this period from, I wanna say, 1801 to 1815, um, the Bank of England suspends redeemability of its notes, mm-hmm. As has happened so often, and they don't go back until 1821. Um, but when they go back in 1821, I want to say from from memory, I can't even, I don't even have a citation for this, that they go back on exclusively gold and not silver? Well, yeah, that because money. that's
2: 1807 or whatever was in between that. So.
0: Well, the Napole- if Napoleo- Napoleonic wars are, are raging on for 15-year wars. I mean, 1807 is smack in the middle. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know the significance of the date. But I know that when they go back on, uh, to redeemability in 1821, for some reason, they only go back on gold, but not on silver. On, I, it's all well,
2: I that's something to investigate.
0: I, I know I've read it somewhere. I so just I can't. I just I can't pull it. And you Do know you? they had a reason. <laughs> 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 right so there is there is the obvious
4: connection between the silver, well, not so obvious connection. There is a connection between the demonetization of silver and the emergence of central banking. Now England had already a long history of central banking. Yeah. That central <clears> bank <throat> was there to provide. Funds for the king's
2: wards. Mm. It has already been. Well, been... well, well. It has been... <coughs> In oh, defense oh, of yeah. the king. In defense <laughs> of the king. <laughs> It was originally there to monetize the government's debt, you know. Um,
4: And the government's debt was to do what exactly?
2: Whether at the margin they would monetize more debt, that probably wasn't in the original contract, you know, but I'm sure it came along there. Britain
4: was the empire of the time, to the great chagrin of France Mm. and Germany, in a lesser degree even Russia and Japan. but all these empire buildings could only be financed in a certain way. And, and silver was in their way. It was too limited. <coughs> and it's obvious to see why they would all, I mean, the governments of the time would have loved an expanding monetary system mm-hmm. uh, through central banking. So it is absolutely, in my opinion, and the professor's opinion also, not so much of a coincidence anymore, <laughs> that, cent- that, that central banks have a competing currency, which is paper, and they got rid of their opponent. So central banks and governments, and here are your protagonists, they are the culprits, they conspired anyway, and got rid of their enemy, for the central banks and governments got the money to build the empires. I, 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 I like just like build, build it back. That to railway, I'm, um, uh, why to uh, <laughs> railway? That was a sign, and it was definitely not so going, not going down very well with, with the British at the time. In fact, it led to the First World War. And I could, could uh, disagree with. Me. I'd like to say yeah.
6: something in defense yeah. of central banks. I'd like to say something in defense of central banks is that central banks were sort of the referee of the of the financial realm and they really and there were in people in the central bank that wanted to maintain stability for stability's sake all right government was always pushing the constraint all right and investment bankers were always pushing the constraint all right and the professors pointed out that the great demonetization of the monetary system happened right before World War I. They were all ready to go. They were getting to go into the arena. And to go into the arena fully armed meant that you had to spend what you didn't have. The Germans did it, the fr- they just all dispensed with it and went to paper, all right? But the truth is, is that the bankers, in their heart of hearts, if they do have one, or what substitutes for it, knew The critical thing about the stability that gold afforded their system, all right? Now the the, the governments themselves, they didn't care about, they just wanted more. Investment bankers wanted leverage, so they wanted more paper. But the central bank, the ones who were responsible. You know, Strong and those people, they really, there really was a, a, a system of, of integrity among those just to keep their system going. Because they knew they had to have that confidence of paper money which gold afforded them. If they were ready to dump it out wholesale, it could have been done a lot sooner. The truth is, gold left the monetary system not because the central bankers dumped it, is because the military-industrial complex in the United States was so powerful they overspent it and the bankers had no control over it. There was 21,775 tons of monetary gold in the United States, the largest hold of monetary gold since Croces. I don't even think Croces had it. All right? But after World War II, the United States was determined to, to supplant England as a world power. It already was the economic power in the world, but it wanted, it didn't want anything in its, in it, they wanted it to, to be everything. So what they did is they put, we had a global footing around the world, and we, we had all this money spent, so the, the bankers had to keep giving out gold for all this excess dollars that were planted over there. And the, the American, I love the American press, all right? The truth is, the French supported the American Revolution against the British. They gave us that Statue of Liberty, all right? The British came and took over America, basically with the Federal Reserve having a huge influence. And one of the things that they say out there, and people blame the French, they say it was the French that came and placed the claims against the gold which forced the United States to go off. Gold. Well, that's like saying, you know, I mean, the United States already overspent the gold. We have billions in outstanding obligations that we couldn't cover. But the truth of the matter was, it was the British head of the exchequer that presented the United States with a $3 billion bill for bullion in July that caused the Americans to go, we gotta shut that window. Or raise the price of gold, which they could've, to maintain the stability of the system. But they chose to go the other way. So that's the thing, The, the central bankers Some of them really wanted to maintain integrity, but they could not. It's like the Mafia. You're just a bunch of competing power groups in collusion with each other to maintain your own power. And every once in a while, one of those guys gets so much power that the rest can't contain them. And that's what happens.
2: So it was the British that caused the gold window to close. Well, uh, yes. (laughs) <laughs> I like that <laughs> there Any more questions? Okay, I think we call it lunch Thanks very much